Happy Halloween, Pumpkin Spice Podcast listeners. Today I am dropping a very exciting episode. A few weeks back, Bill, Tilly, and myself recorded an episode with Frank Meyer, musician, author, man about town. We had watched Trancers, a futuristic Blade Runner type zombie movie with time travel, clock stopper technology, as well as Helen Hunt. It's a great film, a lot of fun to watch, weird yet exciting. It was all very fun. So here it is. And once again, if you liked this episode, go check out Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure or any of the podcasts over at bridgeburner.page. An excellent adventure. I'm Bill Tilly. And I'm Rob Schulte. Bill, it's a big day. It's a big day through time, space. It's an adventure. That's what we do here on this podcast. And today we have a guest. Would you like to introduce our guest? I very much would like to introduce this man. We have with us today Frank Meyer. Frank is an accomplished solo musician. He has played with Eddie Spaghetti, Blind House, Thor. He is the frontman for the Street Walking Cheetahs. He's an award-winning director, a producer, an author, and in a way that touches my heart, he is a author on the Van Halen of Visual History from 78 to 85, Van Halen Forever, and is currently a video director for the fitness tech company Tonal. So, Frank, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I am a super movie music nerd, so, you know, this felt like the right place to to, to be. Yeah, I think, Frank, correct me if I'm wrong, you had reached out to us after we had put out an episode on Eliminators. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, if it weren't for the fact that we were doing the Trancers episode, and therefore, of course, I'm wearing my Trancers t-shirt, as you can see, I would be wearing my Eliminators t-shirt, which I also have. And if you're wondering, he's not so nerdy that he's got hashtag transfers, eliminators, Charles Band, Full Moon, Empire. I sure do. So anytime anything on any of that pops up, you know, it kind of like gets my antenna. And when I saw you guys were doing a whole episode, I was like, these are my kind of guys. (laughs) Yes. And Bill is the one who brings this to the table because, you know, we talk about it a lot on the podcast, but, uh, Bill and I have been friends for years. We used to work together on a Star Trek podcast. Uh, Bill still works for The Greatest Generation. And it's just so interesting to realize that, like, Bill will give a suggestion of something I need to learn about because I'm about 10 years younger. And Bill will be like, but you don't know what it was like to live it, man. So we need to talk about this. So I'll tell you just one quick aside real quick, Bill, is that Another bizarre connection I have to this whole sort of world of sci-fi and genre pictures and all this stuff 
is I was the host of the Roddenberry panel at Comic-Con for three years in a row, my friend. Whoa. I also used to write for the Star Wars Insider magazine back in the day. Oh, Uh, I I remember that magazine. I go back with Star Wars and Star Trek, but it wasn't the Star Trek panel. It was the Roddenberry Productions panel because at some point, you know, he broke off and he was doing all this comics and stuff under the Roddenberry banner and my friend was working for Roddenberry and I was working for G4 TV and uh, our paths crossed and he was like, man, you would be great to host this panel. And I, in my head, I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And I was like, I wonder if it's going to be like that episode of Saturday Night Live, you know what I mean? Where Shatner uh-huh. goes up. It was exactly like that. It's one of those great things about why with Rob and I, when we started this podcast, it's kind of what you said when you emailed us it felt like that same thing of when you used to go to the video store and you're down in the trash section and you're kind of looking through a thing and you see somebody and you're both looking at the same blend you're like ah like that too like you're, you kind of know that's my yeah. person man we, we, we found it in the wild so that's great today we are talking about 1984's trancers uh if you haven't seen it it's new to you all of us have seen it it is not new to us But it is new to this podcast, and we like to start off the podcast with a segment we call The Back of the Box. And I have found a VHS copy of Trancers, and I will be reading The Back of the Box, gentlemen. And let me tell you, it ain't short. This ain't a DVD back of the box. So uh, bear with me while we go on this adventure. Trancers. A science fiction fantasy adventure set in the year 2247 and the present day. Trancers stars Tim Thomerson as Jack Death. We'll hear more on him later. Defender of justice and trancer hunter extraordinaire. Death's mission in life is to hunt down the members of a psychic cult of zombie-like creatures called Trancers. Angel City is what's left of Los Angeles, the 23rd century home of Jack Death and Martin Whistler, leaders of Trancers. The inhabitants are being terrorized by Trancers, and its ruling council wants to see Whistler dead. When the evil Whistler skips town and time with the aid of a time travel serum and ends up in Los Angeles in 1985, Death hooks up with a stunning and strong-willed Lena. Together, they track Whistler through Skid Row, Chinatown, and the neon-lit streets of Los Angeles, all the while fending off the attacks of Whistler's newest followers. But trancers aren't Jack Death's biggest problem, because his clever foe has uncovered the key to humankind's darkest powers, and he's getting ready to use it. Now, Jack Death is civilization's only hope. Approximate running time, 76 minutes. Almost as long as the intro. So, Frank, why don't you tell us a little bit about how did you discover Trancers and what was it like watching it for that first time? Well, the funny thing is, is even though I'm a sort of a diehard fan of genre pictures and horror and sci-fi, and I was a kid in the 80s, so that's sort of my golden period of you know, nostalgia, I suppose. I had never seen Trancers until the beginning of the pandemic and have since become a super, super hardcore Jack Death Trancer, really. Wow. Uh, 
And so, but but the connection though is I always remember it. I mean, back in the days when I used to go rent movies as a kid, I remember the box cover and I remember just kind of assuming it was like a Blade Runner knockoff, which not necessarily wrong, but for some reason I never saw it, which is really shocking when I, I mean, I could tell you far worse movies that I saw in the theater. It somehow transfers escaped me, but I, I went down this path um, when we were all home during the pandemic of watching a lot of Charles Band stuff. And I kind of like had this epiphany one day. It was like, oh my God, like this one guy is connected to all my favorite B movies. Like I love Tourist Trap, I love Dolls, and I I loved, you know, obviously all the stuff, you know, the reanimator and all that. That's sort of what I mainly sort of knew him from was that those golden era of empire and then like i kind of realized like oh wait and he produced eliminators and and all these other things where i started realizing like he had this huge 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 canon of great films i had seen laser blast when i was a little kid in the theater (laughs) so like that's a movie that had a big imprint on me i'd also seen metal storm in the theaters in 3d but it wasn't until you know the last few years that i kind of put it all together and then i rented transfers or you know watched transfers and it was my favorite of all of them and i loved everything about it and i loved tim thomerson and i loved the jack death character and i fell in love with helen hunt and really quickly kind of dove because i'm i'm that way like if i get into something i'm like well now i have to see every transfers movie like by tomorrow (laughs) and so i blasted through the transfers movies even the terrible later ones but you know i really enjoy the 1.5 and 2 and even 3 then they get a little off the charts and i started watching everything tim thomerson's ever done and i kind of just went down this soup and then i wrote a song called jack death and and it just kind of snowballed into like this big obsession i own a bunch of t-shirts now i've got posters i don't know if you can see well you can't really hold on let's see if you can i can that's a it's that one's called oh, future cop, future cop. Called in europe and i've got several more trans rest assured there's a lot of trans <laughs> going on much to the chagrin of my fiance um so yeah that's really my history is that i'm kind of a recent convert but it's it felt like i've been a fan all my life that is Uh, amazing that's absolutely amazing because just listening to you and from the short conversations we've had online watching your song online which is amazing you put out the aura of somebody who's seen it as long as i have you like it goes back that far and it's great to see because one of the things rob and i like about doing this is showing that a movie despite its age or its cost or anything can really make an awesome impact on you if you're lucky enough to to sit down and, and give it a shot sure yep yeah absolutely and you know i'm relatively the same page as you frank i only saw transfers during the pandemic as well bill of course had been beating it down my door for the last like three five years i don't mm-hmm. know and it's one of those things where it's like your friend almost tells you so much that you need to see it that it throws you off completely. And, and then you know, one day, dude, yeah, whatever, dude, I'm not going to go see that stupid movie. And then finally you're just like, oh, my God, what have I been missing? What, I am the biggest dumbass. Like, yeah. I, why, why wouldn't I have trusted in my friend to tell me something that I would like? I've had know? notes written down on this show to talk to Rob for three years. It's yeah. just trying to find the right moment. There's a lot of really great things to love about that movie and that's why because you know it's already i'm the type i'm exactly the right person to fall in love with that movie it's kind of just amazing it hadn't happened but when it did 
you know, I just, I, I, I fell in love hard and fast, boys. What can I say? <laughs> well, Bill, what about you? What is your relationship to the first time you saw Trancers? Oh, I go back to the video store. I saw it then. I, it was in pretty decent rotation for a while. We had a satellite dish when I was a kid. So wow. you had those golden era of they would just chuck every B movie, ski movie, Trancers was kind of the thing. It's just, it fell into that thing of, I love heroes. I love things that are over the top. You know, I grew up in the eighties watching these things that we look back now and they're like, that could never be, but it doesn't matter. A hero is a hero. And Tim Thomerson always had a way about him. He is the, in my view, the Clint Eastwood of television. He sure. starred in a lot of things. He was in a lot of shows. I would see he was on Hunter. He was on the, it could be on the golden girls. Didn't matter. Tim has a way about him that just brings you in and as soon as i saw this movie the first time i'm like same with you i'm like oh there's more and at the time there were only i think that we were up to the third one by the time i had really gotten into it so i and i just keep watching it if it comes on i have to sit and watch it it's one of those movies yeah. that it's, i just it's become like a, it's a comfort movie like i just like to have it on and then i just know everything's all right jack death's back you know trying to find martin whistler is everything's going to be all right yeah, yeah, he's singeing squids like nobody's business, and you right. just want him to be out there doing that. Yeah, uh, this is great. I, I have only seen the first one, so Ooh. I recently got the box set of All the right. rest of them. But I All realized right. that the 2013 1.5 one was not a part of it. Ah, uh, you have to. You can get that on uh, on Amazon for pretty cheap. It's okay. also for free on Tubi if you want to just watch it. But I, I, I recommend. I'll tell you why you need to buy it. Okay, uh, this is why you need to buy the DVD because the reason. So, in case people don't know this, there was officially there was transfers one, two, three, four, and one, two, three, four, five, and six. Mm -hmm. Six does not star Thomerson and is absolutely unwatchable. Five and six get a little bad, but like, I mean, I mean, four and five, but it still has Thomerson and therefore absolutely worth watching. All the rest are, you know, different levels of fun, but are fun. Two's really fun because it got, it has Jeffrey Combs and, um, Castle uh, Freak himself. Yeah. It has a bunch of good, uh, cameos and some stuff in it. But 1.5 was originally shot for a movie called Pulse Pounders that was an anthology movie. That was supposed to well it ended up being the last movie empire pictures made and it bankrupted them and that was when charles band eventually he did a few movies outside of like with studio films and then ended up full, starting full moon and what pulse pounders was supposed to be was an anthology that was a sequel or sort of continuation of classic empire films so it had a reunion of the entire cast of Reanimator with Stuart Gordon and Brian Usna doing an HP Lovecraft. Holy it had shit. am I right? HP Lovecraft Reanimator is HP Lovecraft. Yeah, right. And then it's also got a sequel to Dungeon Master with Richard Maul and Leaving from Fear, fighting Merlin. I'm not making what? this shit up. And and that one has still never come out. But and it also had Trancers at the time, it was going to be the sequel to Trancers because they hadn't made Trancers 2 yet because that was a full moon. So at the time, this was Trancers 2, but it never came out. And what happened is they ended up making Trancers 2 over at full moon and then three and four and five and six. Sure. And then about eight ish years ago, Charles Band discovered a work print of Pulse Pounders. 
and he two of the three he has already cleaned up so you can watch the evil clergyman which is the one with the reanimator cast and you can watch that on um you know tubi and stuff and then trancer's 1.5 city of angels is what was supposed to be transfers too it's amazing it has the entire original cast including oh my god helen hunt art uh what's his name um the, you know who i'm talking about the actor yeah. art lore everyone yeah. it's totally amazing and he fights like a uh sort of future ninja woman oh now let me ask you this so so would you say it would be a good oh. idea for me to watch that then what like 1.5 well, okay, and then Oh. This is where I was going with this nice space, which is the reason why you got it on DVD is it has a preview and a scene from Pulse Pounders. And it's the only place where you can watch a full scene. They didn't have the budget at that time, and I don't know if it's still in the works, but to finish the whole movie. But they finished a scene and a trailer, and it's you can only get it on that City of Angels DVD. And therefore, you've got to get it. Yep. Okay. I'm going to be adding it to the cart yeah. after I, I'm writing I, it down. If you have not seen any of the rest, then I would go in order. I say you go straight to 1.5 City of Angels, then go to two. Because technically, okay. the timeline, they did keep the timeline, meaning 1.5 does take place in between them. So it keeps the serum, as it were. Yes. Okay. Sure does. I, I think that in terms of. The sequels that 1.5 is actually the the truest one to the feel and look of the original transfers, but I think two is probably my kind of favorite because two is the dumbest movie ever <laughs> and so funny. I think intentionally, I'm not totally sure, but I mean, like two has its own unique charm. It's not like a great transfer sequel necessarily. Yeah. It's just a freaking amazing movie with an all-star B-movie cast and Thomerson just chewing scenery as Jack Death. And therefore, oh. it's an incredible transfer sequel. You know what I mean? Oh, but yeah. Feel-wise, I go with 1.5 as the best one. We need to talk about some likes. Dislikes, if they exist. And then amusing moments of this episode. And then a little, we get a little special treat from uh, Frank that I'm just going to hold out like a carrot to our audience right now to keep it going if you weren't enthralled enough already. Now, Bill, give me your, your likes. That It's hard to believe, but if there are any dislikes and amusing moments that have come to you in this movie watching. So we watched it again the other night, of course, to freshen up. I watched it. And uh, the thing I like about this movie is probably, one, is Thomerson. But the fact that it is the kind of movie and that makes it a comfort movie, it is a simple thing. It's a simple idea, but it's two simple ideas welded together. It's the noir detective and Blade Runner. It's that thing where we all sit down and go, wouldn't it be cool if we could put Humphrey Bogart in the future as Sam Spade and have him solve a crime or flip it around? And I think that's a big thing about what makes this movie work. It's it's the joy of a B movie because they are limited by their time and their budget and their things, but they can make some of the best 70 some minute stories and just jam them together and it worked because Thomerson's just a hard-boiled detective in the future. He starts out that way. And as the movie starts in the future, you mentioned Blade Runner. And it's not like anything that they do a specific parallel with. But as soon as you turn it on, you get the vibes for Blade Runner. You kind of mm -hmm. see the wild cars and everything. Interesting note, Thomerson's car, Jack Death's car at the very beginning of the movie, was designed by Gene Winfield, who designed the cars for Blade Runner. <laughs> so there... 
So that vibe comes straight through. He also designed the shuttlecraft for Star Trek original series, but that's a little side note on that. Hmm. But you get that whole thing and you watch it and we've all know the noir thing of a detective. We all get the gist of it, which is great because in a movie like this, you can shortcut it. You're like, Oh, I get it. I see this visual. It plays into it. Some people will say like, well, you know, that's not very deep. It's just a rip off or it's just a thing. It's like, no, it's the movie's not trying to be anything. It's, that it's not it's just getting to the story and it's getting to it quick because it's got to and by telling it in that compressed way it really just lets you kind of marinate in the characters and thomerson makes this movie he is just a hard-boiled guy you know his first line of the movie is straight out of something that you would hear sam spade do and that character goes through the movie and all the other characters no matter how different they are they kind of gravitate up to him. Lena should not like Jack death. There's nothing really about him that she should gravitate to, but she kind of finds him charming in the way that we find him charming in that setting. So that's the thing I like best about it is the movie just got a ton of heart. It's just got a ton of character and all that just comes through the screen. It's another one of those things that Rob and I say about a movie. People will say things if a movie's bad. Well, that doesn't make it bad just because it's cheap or because it's, low budget or that it's old it's these people clearly set out to make a good movie and they did the best with what they got and it makes it a good thing so that's one of the my likes i love the look of it you know i love seeing it being ripped back real quick to 1985 it's one of those things a lot of movies will do because well, hell masters of the universe did it they started out in eternia where all the kids were like yay and then four minutes later there's there's robert duncan mcneil and courtney cox and they're in los angeles and you're like damn it <laughs> Why? Why would you do this? We didn't want any of this. And that kind of makes that bad movie. But Jack coming down the line and being a fish out of water, but yet still being too cool to ever admit that he's a fish out of water. It's all those things. That's just great. So that's my favorite thing about liking this movie. I only dislike about the movie is there's, like you said, parts of the story, even though it's short, don't make any sense. Like Jack clearly kills his ancestor. <laughs> during this movie you know he takes over his body and then stays in it and everybody's just kind of cool with it they're like eh, all right no problem terminator logic yeah it's it's a little sketchy about that like things things get changed in the past but yet people in the future know they've been changed which is not how we're taught to believe that time travel works they're all like oh he just kind of disappeared and we're screwed we're like no that's a little weird too and for some reason in future los angeles the rulers of everybody they have their base in a sewer i don't know what it is about wanting to be in a dark concrete well with water on the floor it's like come <laughs> on you've got to you've got cars that are future cars and you've got laser beams you've got to have a mop somewhere man soak this water up so but it's dark and it's moody so those are the kind of things that i like best and amusing wise my favorite thing, my favorite amusing moment of all is a classic. There's a scene in the movie where Jack gets into Phil Death, his ancestor's car. It's a T-Bird. He and Lena are shooting through L.A. And they're clearly on a rollback going down the road. And they're doing that thing that everybody does on set when they get outside. And he is sawing that wheel, man. It's just There's a <laughs> thing in, the, in actors back in those days where they're like, you're driving. You have to move that wheel. And Thomerson moves that wheel like he chews scenery. He is just left and right. And that car is going straight as an arrow. And it's just kind of it. That's the cheap B movie moment where I look at it and go, I love you, movie. I love what you're doing. Yeah. Just keep doing this. Yeah, I'll go for just a, my quick ones, because, Bill, you touched on a lot of the things that are similar for me. I love the look of this movie. I, you know, 
it hasn't come out yet in this series, but last week, Frank, we recorded an episode on Howard the Duck, and I was like, this is what I think every Marvel movie should look like. And I think the idea of like this sort of be Los Angeles, gritty, for the fact of it being financial or the reality of the moment, whatever it is, it's just like, I love when movies look like they have texture, you know, and that and that sort of stuff really, really sets me in a good spot when I start a movie. And the fact that, Bill, you talked about how it gets right into it. Well, I was fucking surprised <laughs> when the, the woman working at the diner was the transfer. And that was like, hey, I don't need any more story. You know, you've dove into it. You've told me what I need to do. Now I'm along for the ride. I'm, I'm strapped in. I think the one thing I... If I have to dislike something knowing that it's a B movie, it's as simple as that like everyone's clothes are relatively clean. Like they're definitely wearing, you know, costumes. It's 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 very clean dirty as it were. And amusing moment. I mean, here's the thing. I shouldn't have looked at how long this film was. I shouldn't have read the back of the box before putting it on because then I'm just like I looked down and I was like, wait a second. This end battle is going to be very fast, no matter how much time they can stop with the watch or extend from one minute to 10 seconds or one second to 10 seconds, whatever it ends up being. The time logic there was a little bit odd, but yeah. I had a blast with it, and I think that it's it ended up giving me a chuckle to know that that end fight was like the tiniest little prick in the guy's chin. And it's like, oh, hey, Whistler. Whistler's gone, but uh, Jack Death has saved the day. Frank, where are you at on this? Well, uh, I agree with you know, everything you guys said, and I do love that this movie is kind of a mashup in a way, like you said, where it's got a time travel element, it's got a film noir element, it's got a Christmas vibe going. The whole movie's yes. Christmas. The scene where they go to the punk club, because Lena lives above, above a punk club, is the Hong Kong Cafe, which was a legendary L.A. punk club. And there's a whole scene with a punk band and L.A. moshers in the early 80s. So it's kind of a punk rock movie. It's got, you can make the argument, I mean, they're trancers, but they're essentially zombies or zombie-like. So it's got a zombie element to it. There's laser guns. You know, it's got a lot of different things going on and it mashes them up, in my opinion, beautifully because in the end, it's it really feels like you're just watching Trancers. But it's got a lot of influences and it wears its influences on its sleeve, which I like. I think some of my favorite things are what I would say is we can all agree that Tim Thomerson just crushes this movie and he crushes all the sequels too and as the movies get worse he gets better like he's just really yeah. loved that character obviously and has a lot of fun with it and you can just feel that he's having fun with it and he's a good actor so that to me is really what carries the film and helen hunt who's on board by the way not only for 1.5 but in two and makes an appearance in three and by two and three she was already really really famous and did not need to be doing transfer sequels but i think because that movie was sort of her big break and also because i think she genuinely loved tim thomerson and charles band and that gang that she just kept coming back at least for a while but she's great in it too and again i said this before but like i didn't know 
I had a crush on Helen Hunt till this movie, and I'm obsessed with Helen Hunt now. That first scene, the whole scene with, I didn't know that the guy who did the um, Jack Tess car did the Blade Runner car, but that makes sense because that that whole sequence is amazing. And that's, I think, when, when, that, when the movie opened like that, I was just like, oh, my God, how have I not, like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like, the diner, the zombie, you know, cook the, the 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 he's busting the guy for like space immigration and <laughs> he dress, you know like like a hard-boiled noir cop but there's a blade runner car outside like the whole thing just <laughs> i was like i love this movie and we're like two and a half minutes in so i love that i think it's <laughs> the funniest scene and this will be my segue into something i don't like about them or not don't like but think is not done as well the spa scene is amazing it's so 80s <laughs> and you know for some reason this guy is totally normal for one thing they don't ever explain how this guy even knows who jack death is but whatever his his zombie transfer senses are tingling and he realized jack's you know after him or whatever and he just suddenly turns into a transfer like no warning or any sort of escalation whatsoever and then locks him in in a spa to what heat him to death i mean i'm not really sure what the ultimate goal is because the worst case scenario is he would just pass out he's not going to die from that the whole sequence is is just insane but that leads to sort of the the two elements to me that don't work quite as well like i really like the the fact that you have to time travel through the consciousness Yes, of ancestor. That's never been done before, and that's really cool. And I will, so I'm buying that, even though they fudge a lot of the stuff around it. And I'm buying the slow bullet, even though all those scenes take four minutes and it's supposed to be 10 seconds, but whatever. I'm yeah. buying all that. What I'm not buying is the transfers, meaning they don't really, in any meaningful way, explain why Martin, what the fuck is going on there? Like, yeah exactly mm -hmm. does, say he is a cult leader in mind control but like okay that doesn't explain these transfers it doesn't explain why they just they're going the guy's working at a spa he's got a day job bye 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 yeah, yeah sure can i help you let me give you change he's giving change to people that he can go through and then on a dime boom he's a zombie yeah, Santa Claus helping the kids, and then yeah, boom. Well, that's definitely one of my favorite scenes. Santa Claus. <laughs> Did you notice during that scene that that kid asks during his toy list for a mandroid? I he oh, do I notice? Of course, oh. yeah. And I'm I like mandroid too. That's a good movie. Do you know there's a sequel to mandroid called Invisible? I didn't even know. No, that. no. It's on uh, Tubi. It's and it's the whole get. It's mandroid, but then he like runs into an invisible man, and the movie kind of becomes more about. A guy named Invisible or something, but Bill add it to the list. Yeah, well, hey, you know, Pete Trump played the Santa Claus in that movie, who was yeah. who was Albert Reeves' right hand man in Eliminator. Uh, There's a lot of Eliminators DNA coming out of Transfer. Wow. Yeah, I didn't. You know, it's funny. I didn't realize that either. I'm kind of glad I'm on the show. I'm realizing a lot of cool stuff. They don't really explain like why these people are transfers or what control Whistler has or how he's able to, without being in the room or even in the time of the stuff, just flip people into. And then if he had this control in the future, he goes back to an ancestor and still has mind control. That sort of doesn't really play even by that logic. And then the other thing that I, I just sort of 
I mean, Martin Whistler is a really terrible bad guy. Like he's an actor who plays him. I, he's, he's also in Laser Blast, I believe. And I mean, he's so wooden that it's comical, but in no way, in no universe, in no time, is he for one second threatening or even villainous or even remotely violent. He's just kind of like a pompous ass, you know, like yeah. he needs to be put in his place, but he's hardly a threat to the universe. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me a lot of like, uh, Bill and I talk about this sometimes when a made for TV movie superhero, their villain is just like a banker or a businessman. Yeah. yeah. They, they don't really make, I mean, considering how great of a character and a hero Jack Death is and his damsel in distress is the amazing Helen Hunt, who pretty quickly hardly seems like she needs distress. You want to talk about a plucky sidekick. Yeah. But like, and then there's this this totally stiff, wooden, cardboard like unbelievable as a you know as a treacherous terrorist guy who, as you pointed out, immediately knocked unconscious by one not even powerful blow to the chin. Like yep. the worst villain ever, I would say. It's really odd that they didn't make him the police chief or the mayor. They made him a mid-level cop who would not have any real authority no. or anything. Yeah. That, and, and, and he's not, you're right, he's not threatening. Like the most threatening he gets to me is when he's doing his interview on TV and Jack Death is watching it and Whistler gives his speech and then looks to camera in the yes. creepy state line NBC. I, mean, I will say he, he's creepy. That yeah. is not going for him. But like, again, he just feels like throughout the whole movie, he does not feel like a match for Jack Death on any level. And then clearly they thought so too because he's not in any of the sequels. The transfers are, but that's where that logic gets even weirder because, like, if they're all under Martin Whistler's control, Jack takes care of Whistler, and then they kind of just loosely explain in all the sequels, well, yeah, but Whistler's power, you know, kept going, <laughs> spreading, transfers everywhere now, and you're just like, what? Oh. Yeah, he only he's only partially Princess Bride sort of dead. And it's funny because, like you said, it's not until – the next movie where they even give you a reason for anybody to be a transfer. Like in the first movie, they're not especially strong. They don't have any, they're not yeah. super gifted. They're just ugly and have yeah. really big bags under their eyes. And also another thing that, that sort of bothers me about at least the, the transfers lore as it went on into the movies is that, like I said, in my opinion, you know, the way that they came up with a device for time traveling was unique and actually gave sort of a thread of an inherent logic to it. I mean, like I said, everything else surrounding that is illogical. But like when you think about that, you go, okay, that kind of makes sense. You know, if you were in the consciousness of someone, like there's a, a shared DNA and a shared consciousness and a, a you know, somehow that kind of makes it seem doable. And a you can make it work in movie magic. Right. Yeah. Rob and I talk about that a lot of set your universe however you want and then stick to the rules of your yeah, universe. Your, but then in, in all the sequels, they abandon that device and they just put them in a freaking spacecraft. Immediately. And it's gone. They have one too that looked like they spent about 15 bucks on the set, but like they literally put him in a pod and just go like, well, we sort of solved it. We got you in a pod. Just take it easy. Back, and they just shove him off into another timeline. I mean, he literally in all the other movies starts off going like, well, thank God that's over with. They're like, we're going to need you again. He's like, what? But I caught <laughs> you. And then they just shove him in a pod and send him to medieval times for no real reason even. 
I have yeah. got a lot of homework to do, guys. It is. And it's really funny because this movie, in a way, it's like even big budget franchises like the Predator franchise, which Rob and I have done. We've talked about how the first movie kind of wraps up everything in that concept. And technically, you don't need another movie unless you can find something different or another adventure or another tack you can take with your hero. And you you really are just trying to repeat what you did before. And and in this movie in this franchise is lucky it had a Tim Thomerson and a Helen Hunt and some people to take well, those ideas and make them more palatable, even though they're not the best. And that character of Jack Death is strong enough where I go, like, okay, let's just say for a variety of reasons, maybe there was like licensing issues over certain characters. Let's just go into the assumption that maybe they there were some elements they just couldn't carry on for whatever reason that they could care. Okay. The further adventures in time travel with Jack Death, I'm buying that. Absolutely. However, the problem is that the budgets got worse and worse, the scripts got worse and worse, and those later movies don't have any of the sort of feel of transfers. And that's to me what kind of is where they start to go awry. Thomerson's doing a great job. It's just nothing else about them feels like transfers except for Thomerson. True. Yeah. Very true. And now, each one, like, you know, the. Like they get progressively worse. Like I said, 1.5, pretty solid. Two, real fun. Three, clunky, but there's a guy, a shark head, that's real fun. And then by four and five, you're just like, I don't understand what's happening here anymore. Well, um, one thing I do know that's happening, Frank, is you had mentioned you wrote a Jack Death Trancers song, correct? I sure did. I sure now, did. I think this would be the perfect time to hear a little bit of that. Are we able to hear that? All right. So uh, the background here real quick is that uh, this song was written during the pandemic right after I watched the movie Transfers. And when, you know, briefly patios opened up and you could go out and, you know, go out on a patio briefly in the pandemic uh, before they took all that away and then gave it to us again and then took it away. I was doing any kind of outdoor performances patio because I had been laid off my job like everyone else during the pandemic and I had to make rent. So I was out there hustling, doing two, three nights a week, doing two, three sets a night, doing all solo acoustic mix of covers and originals, just literally singing from a supper. And I saw uh, Trancers and thought Jack Death was such a great title that it would be cool to write a song about that. And as I did, and of course I thought, well, no one have, will have seen the movie. But the fun part is whether you've seen the movie or not, the song, at least live, really works because I always, I tell the story of the movie and then people just can't believe that this thing exists and that I'm bothering to sing about it and it becomes a fun crowd pleaser and everyone's singing. I'm going to give you sort of the uh, briefer version right now. All right, here we go. Time warps and mind warps and assassins despair don't second guess. 
is amazing frank i'm a man who's gonna get married next week and this is now also one of the happiest moments of my life that anybody would make a song that awesome about jack death you my friend are killer i'm getting married in october so there you go hey all right i'm never getting married but i'm there to celebrate with both of you and for this celebration of love and jack death i love it it's great guys (laughs) i feel like We've always got to do a rating system and we've always got to always got those extra thoughts that we need. So before we get to Bill's patented rating system, I think that we should just go around the bin one more time for final thoughts, anything we haven't touched on and anything else in this Tim Thomerson world that we all love living in that we would like to bring up. I'll go first, guys. I think I would be remiss if I didn't bring up just, we've talked about the great cast. We've talked about Helen Hunt being in it. We've talked about Tim Thomerson, Art LaFleur. We all know Art LaFleur from uh, Man of the House with Chevy Chase and Jonathan Taylor Thomas, as well as, oh, I don't know, Field of Dreams, some other He's things like that. another great Empire Pictures movie with Tim Thomerson called Zone Troopers. Is that where you're going with that? Zone Troopers was on that list and i'm glad we got there um i also was so surprised to see richard hurt but also telma hopkins too and rachel from family matters fucking amazing given the time watch loved it um yeah i think final thoughts here guys it's like this is the the call it cliche but like i am a victim of this i talked about it on this episode you cannot judge a movie by the cover you or maybe you can it looks fucking awesome cover. it is but a good like, cover but you're right that idea of not judging a book by its cover yeah. right like not judging it by like 
oh, I don't know. I like B movies, but will I, you know, sometimes they can be a slog and it's a bit of a force, but like this starts fast and keeps going and keeps your attention. There aren't really moments like even the parts that don't make as much sense are fun to think about and talk about. And like, well, how can I make it make sense while I'm watching this movie? I had a blast. Cannot wait to watch 1.5 and then the rest. And uh, I'm so glad that I'm going to be buying that DVD slash Blu-ray as fast as possible. Frank, what are your final thoughts today? Uh, well, for me, I would just recommend that if you love this movie uh, or if all of this sounds fascinating to you, um, there's lots of other great Charles Band related stuff. Um, you know, a lot of people know him from uh, Full Moon and like the Puppet Master movies, but I'm really kind of more obsessed with the Empire stuff. And uh, I mean, I would honestly say I love every single movie that, not every single movie, all 80% of what Empire Pictures put out is worth seeing. Even the obscure ones like Ghost Town and uh, mm. what is it? Uh, Ghost Samurai is another one too. Like there's there's just so many ridiculous movies in that canon. So there's a lot of good Charles Band stuff. And and the earlier you go, like the 70s, 80s stuff is really great. But the Thomerson thing, man, I've just become a, a real Thomerson nut. Zone Troopers we mentioned, which is kind of a reunion of the whole cast, not the whole cast, but a lot of the cast of Trancers. And he's in a great movie called Cherry 2000. It's not a great movie, but he's great in it. And, you know, my fiance and I, this is, we, we differ on this one. I absolutely love Metal Storm, the destruction of Jared Sin. She's not as much of a fan, and I forced her to watch pretty much everything Thomerson's ever done. But if you want to see Thomerson in full Han Solo mode, that's your movie. My takeaway is get into Tim Thomerson. That guy made a lot of great movies. Hell yeah. Bill, why don't you tell us your final thoughts and then let us know how we're going to rate this puppy. This movie is clearly one of my favorites. And actually, this movie in particular would probably be the one above all that spurred me to want to do this kind of a podcast because only the weak-minded can be tranced. And Hollywood will do that to you, but you can do that to yourself. It's easy to preconceive and judge a thing thinking you know what it is and this is the kind of movie that you can walk by see the vhs box think it's blade runner ripoff but if you sit down and watch it like us odds are you're going to find out it's not and that will lead you to some real joy especially in movies which are supposed to be fun and exciting this is on a fun level of taking all your star wars toys and all your army men and all your stuff as a kid and jamming them in the floor together and you had a great time that's the energy behind a movie like Trancers. It's got a great cast. It's got people who are really dedicated to what they're doing. And it's a gem. It's not a $20 million blockbuster, but there's a lot of $20 million blockbusters that wish they could be as memorable or as good as Trancers. Absolutely. So this yeah. is a testament to those kind of people, to the Charles fans of the world, the Roger Corbins of the world. Don't sell them short. Give it a try. You may still not like it at the end of the day, but open it up and see what's going on. This is a great time. There's great actors, in, and it will lead you to other things, just like Frank said. There's lots of Full Moon and Empire movies that I haven't seen that I will immediately give a shot because I've seen Trancers, and you know, it uh, is real really quick, a great thing. 
there's one, by the way, I, I had always remembered the cover of, but I, I recently saw it called Prison, about a haunted prison, and it stars a young Viggo Morenstein. And yes. Killer. Prison I, fucking I, rules. It's way better than it should be. It's way yes. better than it should be. Another great Charles Band-related uh, flick from the Empire canon. Yeah, Charles Band movies could have that on every poster. It's way better than it should be. Yeah, I mean, except when they're not. Oh, man. Bill, so what's our fantastic rating system? So if you remember when you used to go into your video store, there was always that section or that row in the back, and it would have the sign on it that said, Five Nights for a Dollar. And that's where you might find a movie like Trancers back there. You give them a buck, and you go back, and it's like, oh, I don't know any of these. And you might grab one and give it a shot, and you might bring it back the next day, or you might want to keep it till the end. So that's going to be my rating system for these special episodes like this. So... If you had gone and you've got transfers and you've taken it home and you've spent your dollar, how many nights are you going to keep your transfers VHS? Are you going to keep it for one, two, three, four, or five nights? What kind of movie is this? Let's start with you, Robs. Oh, easy answer for me. I would be keeping this for at least four nights because I would be watching it at least twice and I would probably try and watch it three times and fall asleep because it is like what Frank said earlier. Like, it's just nice to have on, you know? I don't think I can quite go to a five on this one. I mean, it's no pin from 1988 but it, it or phenomena, but it is very good, and it leaves the door open for more films for me to watch. So four nights for me. What about you, Bill? Well, it's... the. The fan in me wants to scream five immediately. And based on the fact that our rating system is not congruent to any other movie, it's strictly about the thing that we're talking about. I'm going to do it. Transfers is a five nights movie for me. There's no way I'm taking that movie back before the end. I will take back my copy of Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone before I take back my copy of Transfers. It's just too much fun. It's a great story. It's like a comic book in a way. You can read the new issue over and over again under the lights in your red room for days on end. And it's just one of those movies that I don't get tired of. All right, Frank, I think I know where we're leading to, but what, how many nights are you keeping transfers? Well, I mean, if you were, if this was a traditional rating system where, you know, five was, you know, like, a 10, you know, meaning five was like the greatest movie ever made. And one is, you know, an unwatchable piece of crap. Then I might probably under protest might go four out of five because in my head, maybe um, if I'm going to go with a perfect movie, like evil dead two to me is a perfect movie. Of course. Right? There's not a wasted frame. Or like, you, you know, raising Arizona to me is another one of John, you know, like, it's per so and transfers is not a perfect movie, but that's not the criteria that no. you gave me, gentlemen. What you gave me was how many nights would I keep it? There's no question. I'm keeping it all five nights. In fact, I'll go you one for I'm never returning it and I'm paying the fucking fee. Ooh, that's like $89 back. <laughs> I'm paying $89 then plus the $5 rental. I'm paying $90 back in 1984 for this wow. movie. And that I still would have the VHS right now and be showing it to you. And you guys would think, man, this guy is pretty cool. Yeah, that, we think hey, that you know anyway. what? we're already thinking that. But absolutely, you guys, you guys would be like, this guy is a total psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> our, our kind of people. 
Yeah, that's, you know, we, we attract psychos and we are okay with it. Now, Frank, thank you for joining us today on Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. First of all, you're welcome back anytime because this has been fantastic. Uh, but is there anything you'd like to plug today? Anything you'd like to direct the people to? Yeah, I mean, if you guys want to check me out online, uh, I'm on Instagram at the Frank Meyer, and that's M-E-Y-E-R. Uh, on Instagram, you can find Streetwalking Cheetahs. That's my rock and roll band. Both are on Facebook as well. I also have a filmmaking career. I've directed a bunch of documentary feature films. So the last one that came out uh, at the beginning of the pandemic was called Risen, the story of Shron Hellraiser Smith. And it's about a Wu-Tang Clan rapper that suffered a brain aneurysm and lost the whole left side of his body and his journey to rap again. And I spent about eight years with him in filming him through rehab and rehabilitation as he did those those very things. So that movie's out on Amazon Prime, and I produced a movie called I Am Thor about the heavy metal, uh, another B-movie star, John Mickle Thor, star of Rock and Roll Nightmare and Zombie Nightmare. I produced the documentary on his music career and film career. And then I've got a new one coming out at the, by the end of the year called Freestyle 101 Hip Hop History that's about the history of freestyle rap, and it's narrated by Chuck D and stars Ice-T and every rapper you've ever heard of in the world, Mob Deep, MLP, Fat Joe, the Hieroglyphics, like everyone. Uh, so I got a pretty deep little film career there. And then shockingly, I've also written eight books, the most famous of which would probably be the book On the Road with the Ramones. But I also have written a whole bunch of rock books. And I did uh, with Niels Lozauer, the one you mentioned earlier, Van Halen, A Visual History. And uh, my last two were not music related, shockingly. They were about raising kids. There was a book called From Dude to Dad and a book called Diaper Dude. And they both came out on Penguin Random House and they're basically self-help books for uh, new dads. So incredible. What a career, be, man. I would be remiss if I didn't do my diligence for all Van Halen fans out there. Please sure. search out interviews from Frank on his time being friends with David Lee Roth and knowing the band and his stories with Tweezers. I read, I listened to your interview on the DLR podcast and it is amazing. Frank, you have a rich history of some really incredible fun stuff. And I, as for my favorite band, it was great to lose myself in that. So he is entertaining beyond belief and it led me to all your other stuff. So everybody out there, please check out all of Frank's projects. I just keep busy, man. Sleeping for squids. Yeah, sleeping is for squids. Just That's like dry hair. Yeah, we're all slicking our hair back. I know. Well, guys. Hey, maybe we do a doll man episode. You know? Hey, uh -huh. yeah, let's do a doll man episode. I know we both have some big, or uh, uh, we all have some weddings ahead of us. Why don't yeah. we come back after the holidays and do doll Good. man? Love, Love it. it. All right, guys. This has been Bill and Rob's an excellent adventure. Cool. All thanks, right. guys. Have a good one, and thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Definitely. Talk to you later. Thanks, Greg. Peace. Well, Bill, Frank was awesome. I think we both gushed enough during that episode. Uh, if you'd like to hear more about Frank, then go to his Instagram because he's amazing and posting about all of his stuff all of the time. Here's the thing, Bill. People can also gush over us and help this podcast. You know this. I do. I know this. And the biggest thing they can do is tell a friend. You know, our listeners are not fans. They're friends. And we'd like more friends. We all want a new friend. So text this episode, if you liked it, to your friend's group chat. Get it going. Get the conversation going. Send it out into social media. You can click the links in the show description to join our Discord or get video episodes. 
or maybe even just give us a one-time $1 donation to help keep the lights on. Uh, you can also leave us a voicemail. We all love voicemails, Bill, and you know that number's 213-545-6176. That phone, where does that ring, Bill? Well, that phone actually rings 300 years into the past that Rob has to in wind up going back into one of his ancestors yeah. to actually pick up that phone and answer it. So it's really strange because that's too far back for us where we sit now, but because just like transfers, the story's a little wishy-washy. It'll make sense once I'm back in time. It will. Although I do have to go back and jam him in the neck with a needle to get him to cut off the phone and come back to me. But you know, it's true. It's just what you have to do. It's true. Well, all of the links to support this podcast can be found in the show notes. Head down there. Bill, why don't you say our thank yous for today? We'd like to thank, first and foremost, everybody who's listening and watching and supporting us. All of our friends, thank you very much. Well, hey, oh. Bill, I'm going to cut you off. First and foremost, I'm going to thank Frank for sitting through this episode with us. And then second and foremost, all of those people. Very much Thanks to Frank. He was great and always great to have on really fun guests, just talking movies and having a good time. Oh. Awesome. Outside of that, we'd like to thank Jothan for our show art, which is amazing. Every time I look at it, it makes me so, so happy. Oh, yeah. I'd like to thank Patrick for his editing duties, keeping Rob sane and getting this show out <laughs> to the people. Can't thank you enough for that. Uh, we'd like to thank Draxium and Dr. Z for our own rock and music that you get to hear for every show. Check out them on their Bandcamp links with their own projects. And we'd like to thank the ever, ever wonderful Mrs. Columbo for checking these episodes, making sure that Rob and I don't do anything that will send us down the line into some kind of internet trance where we wind up with big bags under our eyes and get yeah. vaporized. So she's great. She is great. This podcast is great. Bill, you're great. I'm great. At the time of this recording, you have seven days before yes. you're getting married. And uh, I just want to say congratulations, buddy. This episode Thanks. comes out many weeks after your wedding. But just know that uh, we're all here for you. And anyone who's listening to this who hasn't congratulated Bill, go give him a good congratulations on the internet. Oh, Bill. Thanks, man. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see you. But it's time to end this episode of Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure. I will see you next time, buddy. See you down the line, Rob's. Hell yeah. <laughs>